It's the Early Access Podcast, episode of 48, December 8th, 2020. It's your host, Nikki from Stell Shampoo. Kuehler is here also. Uh, today, I'm going to first off provide some updates on some stuff that I had talked about last week slash on the video I posted on youtube.com slash about Pop 1. We're going to talk about some games, and then we're going to talk about some updates on things that happened in the last episode, episode 47. Uh, and then we're going to talk about the Rona and this person who wanted to kill me at TwitchCon and some other things that have to do with the internet. Anyway, first off, Population 1 is running an event right now, and I talked about it, youtube.com shampoo in a Pop 1 video. Uh, but what the event is, is you want to accumulate 15,000 points um, a day, and then that's kind of the cap, is what I said. You need 100,000 points over the course of 11 or 12 days to unlock all the skins during the event. And I learned later on that the cap isn't actually a cap per day. It's just a cap uh, overall. So... On day one, you can't go past 15,000 points. On day two, you can't go past 30,000 points. Whereas uh, if you're behind on points, you can actually go all the way up to where that cap is. And this wasn't really communicated anywhere in any kind of media. Um, I just found someone randomly talking about it in the Discord. So that's the only reason I knew about it. But I talked a lot about in that video about kind of this burnout that I'm feeling from Population 1 specifically, but other games do this too. In games where there's just events happening all the time where it's double XP or earn this camo or get some kind of reward for playing the game, if if those events happen too often, I feel like I only want to play during those events because it makes it feel like when there's not an event going on that I'm not being efficient with my time just because every game nowadays is trying to demand your attention, getting their daily active usership up, whether it be like a daily login bonus or get five kills or do this weekly challenge. Uh, every game now is is trying to pull your attention uh, in some kind of reoccurring way so that uh, they have nice-looking retention numbers. And Population 1 has been doing that by skin events. And this last one is just... I don't really like the cap thing. I really wish I could, like, on day one, just grind it out. What ended up happening was that because there's a cap and I hit the cap in an hour for the event to unlock the skins, I just stopped playing. And so that mainly is what I was trying to, to hammer home is I just, I feel really burnt out on events. And it's like, it's not that I don't like Population 1. I feel like I've been really negative about it on the Early Access podcast for the past couple of weeks. But it's just a game that I feel like isn't getting any meaningful updates. Now, back when I played Fortnite, Fortnite gets crazy updates and a new gun every week, right? I can't expect something on the Epic Games level of updates but it just it's feeling dry right now and so i haven't been playing or talking about it as much uh, we have been playing cold war Kiel and i played some cold war uh there's the new season one coming out soon it is less grindy than it was before actually they upped the amount of xp needed to hit each level to unlock attachments i still have the issue of half the attachments are literally useless i don't need eight different shapes of red dot site. I need one red dot site. And, uh, but I'm having more fun with it. I'm really glad they removed doors and returned the minimap back to normal. And I can actually hear footsteps behind me. And the game is pretty solid so far. I'm looking forward to the season one update. The main piece of news, and this isn't going to be news to anyone who's known me for a while, but the main piece of news is uh, in the VR space right now. Medal of Honor Above and Beyond, Medal of Honor's VR title, is coming out I believe it is the day after Cyberpunk, 
which I'm not particularly hyped about Cyberpunk. Oh, that's some timing. Yeah. I, Neither am I, but that is still, a lot of people are. Cyberpunk has to be the most anticipated game of the year. Despite all of its issues with required cutscenes that cause seizures and, and all the other things people are talking about. I'm not looking yeah. too much into it um, because I... A lot of bad things with the development company and whatever, but none of this seems to have really toned down the fact that it is by far the most like looked at game. Uh, I'm just going to check real quick. Cyberpunk comes out... Release date. Cyberpunk comes out on December 10th and Medal of Honor Above and Beyond comes out December 11th. So... I'm going to go ahead and say that that is not a good release date, and I don't know about that because contrary to what some people may have you believe, there is still some overlap between people who enjoy flat screen games and people who enjoy VR titles. So that's a big uh, oof on their part. But also, Plus if you're stuck in a flat screen game, you don't want to turn on your VR headset. Yeah. Oh, and Cyberpunk's what? If you're, like if you're invested. Hundreds of hours long? Yeah. So you're going to be like sitting, you'll be like, do I turn on my Oculus and now I'm going to keep playing Cyberpunk? Why? Exactly. It comes out the day after, and Cyberpunk was delayed a bunch of times, so I imagine Respawn didn't, or they didn't know, anticipate that yeah. it would land on it. Who knows? Maybe delayed again. It. Yeah, I mean, it is the eighth, but if Cyberpunk was delayed again, then uh, honestly, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. There, they, I yeah. think one of the Cyberpunk devs posted that yellow picture that the letters come on that say cyberpunk is being delayed we're sorry we need like x y and z right but right. this time it was uh i think it was a rickroll it's just the lyrics to that i think song. it was a rickroll i think it was yeah that was hilarious but you could you could feel like like the entire online sphere just had like a collective like short breath or something they felt oh, I, did drop again. I did too yeah. he, he, <laughs> well, he i did too yeah i mean i didn't feel fuck. i didn't feel fear I, i'm not excited for the game i didn't feel fear but i certainly did seem i did scroll through i'm like oh did it get delayed again and then i read it yeah me too but anyway Medal of Honor VR is releasing the day after Cyberpunk, and developers have had preview builds, earlier builds of the game, and I gotta tell you, it looks god-fucking-awful. Now, if you've been following me for a while, ever since I played Cyberpunk... Uh, not Cyberpunk, sorry. I haven't played Cyberpunk. Medal of Honor. Ever since I played Medal of Honor one, two, three years ago, I don't even know what it is anymore, in the before times, I absolutely hated the demo, and I really went off on it. And so... To see some of the glaring problems that I saw in that demo years ago still present in the game makes me feel bad. So I watched one reviewer who outlined two things that make Medal of Honor VR a good game. Number one is that you can close one eye to aim down the sights of your guns. I cannot think of a VR shooter that you can't do that in. That that just You could do that. In Black Ops Cold War, if you really wanted to, you don't have to, but that that made literal no sense to me. The other part that he really praised was the YouTube videos. Basically, there are videos, veterans talking about their experience in World War II and having you create uh, empathy for people who are actually part of this great conflict. But those are YouTube videos. You can watch those out of VR. And there's this contrast between catching a grenade out of the air, throwing it back at these Nazis, and then these guys talking about how their fellow soldiers died. The it's it's not it's a not super realistic World War II shooter. Not to mention I posted a gif on Twitter. The AI is stone cold stupid. They are unbelievably dumb. 
uh, there's a gift that I clipped out of their trailer where you grab an MP40 out of the air. So someone tosses you an MP40 and you you need to shoot these three Nazis in front of you who have guns. You grab the MP40. It flips in your hands to the correct direction because when you grab it out of the air, um, it, you'll grab it with your left hand. So it flips to your right hand. That looks weird. Then you start shooting these Nazis and this guy puts four or five bullets into each Nazi and they all just kind of stumble backwards like, whoa, man, draw their guns and start Stormtrooper missing you at point blank. It looked absolutely terrible. The AI is garbage. And so I wanted to, because this is the Early Access podcast and I want to get access to things and talk about it, I was going to go out of my way to drop $20, $30, whatever, to play this game and see if it really deserves the shit that I've been giving it, even though I've only watched preview videos and I've only played it like once a couple years ago for 30 or so minutes. I played three levels for what it's worth. But they released the recommended system requirements. Now, uh, first off, Polygon has these listed as the minimum system requirements. Uh, Upload VR, who I trust more, has them listed as the recommended system requirements. So keep that in mind. I don't like Polygon for a bunch of other reasons. But an Intel i7, 9700K, 16 gigs DDR4 RAM, recommended NVIDIA GTX 2080 or higher, and 340 gigs of space to unpack slash install. 340 gigs. Once it is... It was also recommended that it be a solid state. That is gigabytes true. Gigabytes, too. Now, once it is unpacked, it unpacks to 170 gigs. This is, a, this is absurd. When I first downloaded Microsoft Flight Simulator, which has the world inside of it that was 150 gigs we all clown on call of duty for being warzone and modern warfare was somewhere also around 170 gigs but that includes single player co-op warzone multiplayer patches over the course of a year all these guns they add on it includes all that stuff medal of honor is for some reason 170 gigs, and I, I just cannot comprehend why it is so massive that you've actually defended modern warfare 2019, 2019, I forget. 2019 here on this on the podcast. It is absolutely absurd. The AI looks terrible. The gameplay looks to be nothing special. And I want to take a moment to play it and give you guys my opinion once it'll be out by the time the next episode of the Airlax podcast is out. But I don't have 340 gigs on a solid state rate. My solid state's half a terabyte. So I I have other things on there. I play Temtem and you know, we have podcast recordings on there. I just don't have 340 gigs to download this game. It's absolutely ridiculous by Respawn. And it's not even releasing on Quest. One of the other big problems, which is also a criticism with Population 1. But when you aim down sights in Population 1, you get what we've started to call scope face. Basically, your entire face becomes a scope. And it's like you're looking through a, a toilet paper roll. And wherever the toilet paper roll center is, that's where you're shooting. Like the, your entire face becomes a scope. If you think about how you look through a scope in real life or how you think you'd look through a scope in many other VR games, you actually lean your head down and look through the scope and you have peripheral vision available. And inside right. the scope, it's all zoomed in. Uh, this was a concession done, scope face, to cater to the quest. And Population 1, they took a very long time when they were developing the game to optimize it for the quest. And that was very smart of them because that's actually where the majority of the player base is playing. Medal of Honor VR is PC only. 
and they still have scope face, which is immersion breaking as hell. Imagine when you aim down a scope in Call of Duty. It's exact. It's pretty much the same thing in VR, except instead of moving a stick or a mouse, you move your hands. That is the whole point of VR is the immersion. You can look around and you have peripheral vision and all that stuff. But you're literally just taking what is fine in a flat screen game and throwing it into VR. I just, I just don't understand it. The AI is terrible. The, the The best part of the game are the YouTube videos at play. And this game is, it's a scam. I, I, I cannot believe anyone could watch those trailers and think that this is what triple A VR should be. And one of the reasons I'm shitting on it is because I, I've seen bad indie games and I don't want to shit on them. But this is Respawn, so I feel like I can really just go in and have high expectations. They made games I love. Titanfall 1, 2. I played Apex Legends for a little bit, but I played a ton of the Titanfall series. And I was very impressed with everything I've Ironically, seen. Ironically, Titanfall 2 was also victim of bad release timing. That's true. Although maybe not necessarily their fault, but it was. It feels depressingly poetic that it's about to happen again with Medal of Honor. Yeah, they released Battlefield 1, I think it was. One week and Call of Duty also had a release around that time. Ooh, yeah, that's rough. Yeah, which sucks because I think almost everyone who played Titanfall two, I think, ended up like liking it as the better of the three. And me for sure. And then yeah, me me too. Actually, I think everyone's like this was just like a really well made, like solidly constructed game. And but it just was released very badly, and no one really paid attention to it. So I feel like I can go out and say things like this about Medal of Honor. And people might brush off my opinion. Oh, Nikki, you haven't played the final build. Oh, we're fixing the bugs. The reviewer talked about that there were a ton of bugs and the devs came out and said, we are fixing them. I saw some of those bugs one or two years ago. So I'm a little bit afraid. And so I, I just want to hold VR to this higher expectation. When Half-Life Alex runs on lower hardware and just looks better and I actually played it and it was a great VR game. It's not the greatest VR game of all time that I've played, but it is is fantastic. When when Half-Life Alex comes out and then we just have this huge step back and in AAA VR shooters with Medal of Honor, I mean just looking at it graphically speaking is just not nearly as beautiful as Alex was. I I want I want the industry to move forward. And I feel like I can target and talk about AAA games a little bit better than I can just hey, look at this guy who made this game in his bedroom. Looks terrible. This is a game that's been in development for a long time. Anyway, uh, to shed on a couple more things before we move on to some harder topics, uh, updates on what has been happening with Save Smash and that whole debacle. So if you guys didn't listen to the last episode, Nintendo canceled a big Smash event because that they were using uh, an online tool that used rollback netcode to play Melee. Nintendo is no longer selling copies of Melee, so I don't understand why they're trying to not let people play Melee on less than legal copies of it to play online. But uh, Nintendo, this tweet from Slimy Quagsire uh, says, this is from Slimy Quagsire, Nintendo uh, on something Nintendo did. The Splatoon community, in support of the Smash community, because the Smash community's event was canceled, has 30% of the top teams in this weekend's Splatoon 2 NA Open with team names in support of Melee and Smash. So what does Nintendo of America and Nintendo VS do in response? They canceled their live stream for tomorrow's finals. Kind of funny that they'll sever their own support 
that they love to parade around as something so fantastic just because the Splatoon community wanted to stand in solidarity with the other scenes that Nintendo outright harms. I'm not someone who has literally ever played a game of Splatoon, so I'm taking Slimy Quagsire's word at this. Also, name of a fantastic Pokemon, one of my favorite Gen 2 mods. But uh, that is terrible. Nintendo is not backing down. Everyone is just railing them on Twitter. They are not selling copies of Melee anywhere. I like what uh, Dacid Bro, he's a Catherine player that I follow, said. We need to stop confusing what is legally right and what Nintendo can do with what is good and what they should be doing. They can legally stop you from playing Melee Online using a pirated copy of it and some mods, but should they? They have seemingly nothing to gain from it. They are protecting their intellectual property, but these are long-term supporters of a game that... How old is Melee? Melee might, might be of legal age. Super Smash Bros. No joke, I think li Melee might literally be legal. 2001. This game is literally yeah. legal. I can fight in the army. That's how old it is. And people love it. And they've grown a community around it. And Nintendo just continues to uh, beat them down. So I got to give them gotta give them a thumbs down on that one. All right. In slightly more positive news, we're going to talk about Twitch. And this isn't one of the 9 out of 10 episodes on the Early Access Podcast where we shit on Twitch. But uh, Twitch released a new feature today. Or it's not really fully released, but it's experimental. You can use channel points, which you gain by watching streams. And you can also gain points by sending cheers and subscribing and all that stuff. But you can use your channel points and pool it together to do a stream boost where your stream will start appearing in recommended sections um, and basically boost the stream and have it appear on parts of the site where people are likely to scroll around and click on them. Now, it's experimental. I'm sure Twitch wants to see how effective this is and if people actually click on those streams, if people actually boost, how creators react. Um, what happens if a bunch of people boost at the same time? And stuff like that. Now, the amount of channel points is going to be set by Twitch. Uh, if you go to twitch.tv slash Del Shampoo, where we have the Earl Access podcast every other Tuesday at 8 p.m. PST. I have taken everything in the channel points list and set it to the minimum amount possible. And I do that for a philosophy that I'll, I'll talk about in a little bit. But uh, Twitch is going to be the one who sets how much... Uh, how many points you need probably based on your channel size and i'm sure it'll scale proportionally to your channel size if you get 10 viewers your stream i'm sure will be advertised to less people than if your stream had 100 viewers uh it will probably be proportionally more expensive in terms of channel points for 100 viewer average channels to get boosted but it'll also be put in front of more people is my kind of uh, thinking around it initial reaction i don't see anything particularly bad about this now i personally just ignore recommended channels uh, as best i can they i mean they do catch me sometimes i'll see a temtem streamer that i you know haven't watched before and click on their channel because i was scrolling around on twitch trying to find something to listen to in the background where i'm writing japanese or something like that but uh i'm interested to see how this turns out and how people react to it they've also announced a system that will uh let you be able to see channels that you follow Less by who has the most viewers, but more based on your activity and who you tend to watch. So 
if I, for example, watch my friend Fire Punch a bunch, even though he has way less viewers than someone, say, like CNANners, he will appear potentially higher on the list than CNANners. The way it works right now is it goes high to low. More people who have more viewers will appear at the top. But I personally watch a bunch of people with 10, 20 viewers, maybe even five. And so I have to click on show more and then scroll down to those people. Now the way the algorithm is going to kind of work is if someone with a low view count is streaming, but you tend to watch them a lot, then they'll appear higher on your list. Uh, and this is experimental. It'll uh, sort based off of viewing behavior instead of actual view count. I, I, again, like this. I don't see anything particularly wrong with this. It seems to be a win for viewers so they can actually find creators they want to support and that they are supporting. And also a win for uh, those smaller streamers because you're probably super, super buried, right? If someone follows, what, 50, 100 people on Twitch and a portion of those people are online, but you're in last place, you have to click and really scroll down. And one of the principles of web design is that people don't scroll and you want to keep things as accessible and as few clicks as possible behind as few menu menus as possible. So this is uh, definitely going to help out discoverability for smaller viewers. So unlike most weeks, pat on the back on Twitch's side, uh, they haven't absolutely shelled themselves on Twitter this time around. Oh, I do have to correct myself. Last week, the entire episode, I call it DCMA and it is DMCA. And I don't know how literally once I didn't catch it. But it is DMC. I don't know how I didn't catch it either, actually. Yeah, I like I know what it is. It's I think I even I said the acronym backwards. I think I actually digital said the acronym. Oh wow! Digital Copyright Millennium. Act. I think I actually said it's Digital Millennium Copyright Act. I somehow I, missed this too, so yeah. I'm also. I mean, at fault. My my dad is partially dyslexic, so I don't know if that's uh, hereditary or not. But I don't know. Maybe that was maybe that was it kicking in. I have no idea. I've been diagnosed with it, but. Uh, speaking of my relatives, all right, it's a part of the episode where we're going to talk about the Rona. I was informed mere hours ago that my uncle has the Rona and he was taken to the hospital. Um, this was post Thanksgiving. He got it from his daughter and his daughter got it from another relative. And so that whole side of the family has the Rona and briefly, I did not. But part of my family interacted with my uncle, including my mother, who has cancer. So I am uh, I am now going to not only not leave the house, as I have been doing, but also not leave my office, if possible. And this is, it's getting worse. Uh, California is peaking 10,000 cases a day, every day. ICU capacity is pushing 90% averages. Uh, my uncle had to go to the hospital too, and this is very, very scary. Uh, it, it's, it's a, it's kind of like we're rolling the dice now, right? Every day that I'm alive and exist near other humans, which I do because I live with other people, is a day that I can catch it without even going outside. And I'm not worried about dying. I'm probably going to survive, right? I'll be at the worst inconvenienced with diarrhea and throwing up for a while, but. There was a NBC Philadelphia, a doctor on there reported that the Rona can cause erectile dysfunction. Now, I don't know if this is temporary, and I don't think anyone knows if it's temporary because the Rona hasn't been along that, around that long, so we can't really study what the long-term effects of having it are. But I'm going to be honest, at 25, I think your dick works about as well as it ever will. 
I think we're running at peak capacity right now, and I would hate to have my greatest years cheated from me because people can't wear masks and stay indoors. We have also come down by... Now, this is semi-controversial. Um, California, once again, just like back in March, we are back down on full shelter in place. Now, I did go except out today. where I am. Except Kuehler. Now... And Mateo has decided not to do it. There's... I feel like... So, th- there's two sides of this, right? A, we want to keep people uh, from coughing on each other because we don't want hospitals to just be flooded with Rona patients, not to mention other people need to go to the hospital, like my mother who has cancer or, you know, anyone else who gets a broken bone or anything like that. But on the other side of things, um, I feel like the damage has already been done. Thanksgiving already happened. Stupid people, not me, have already gone out and visited their family for Thanksgiving. And a lockdown is, I mean, the horse has left the barn. The ship has left the dock. It's over. This is a little bit too late. If this were to happen, we probably needed to happen before we started hitting above 10,000 cases a day. Now, of course, we might be able to prevent some kind of Christmas spread. And Nikki from Stell Shampoo, host of the Earl Access podcast, is no virologist. But uh, a doctor explained uh, Monica Gandhi 9 on Twitter. I really liked this thread about how the lockdowns and, and staying at home in March made sense because we had no idea how the Rona transmitted, whether it be like if I cough on a table, does it stay there for a week or does playing at a playground and having it and then having other kids go and play on that playground also, does that cause a problem? In March, we didn't know the answers to to those questions. Now we know that playgrounds and being out on public transit and things like that don't transmit the Rona. So it makes a full, yeah. like, you got to stay at home kind of thing, um, uh, a smarter thing to do. Now, I am still going to shit on, like I did a couple episodes ago, the card shop who had, like, 50 people, max capacity, playing a Yu-Gi-Oh yeah, tournament. I, I That's clearly if not If there good. was a counter-argument, I agree with the statement, too. I think, like, the full lockdown is not always necessary these days, but I do get a counter-argument, which is that our numbers are so high that the ability for even outdoor activity or, like, previously safe activity to be safe is less so now like it's you know it's often like you'll see like if you're indoors with everyone wearing a mask and good ventilation the amount of people that will get infected by the one infected person is much lower but it's still non-zero whereas if more people are likely to have it that number will go up and like there is a purpose for that too i suppose so i know some businesses nearby Uh, i just went to a ramen shop today and I called them, and I'm like, hey, I want to place an order. It was for two bowls because I'm a fat ass. Um, I, I got a ramen nice. bowl and a curry bowl. And I called them. They're a little bit of a drive away from me. And then the lady on the phone says it'll be ready right away. Like they had nothing else to do. When I got there, there were two people chilling in the restaurant. I didn't go in. They, they served me at the door. But nothing was happening. My order was the only one out on the table. Um, they picked it up, brought it over to me, uh, and it was all good. That's of course a restaurant. So restaurants are going to be available for takeout still, but, uh, my local card shop is also still open. Um, of course for limited retail capacity and you can't stand there and play, you can just go in, pick up your shit and leave. Um, and one of the problems right now with these lockdowns is I'm seeing businesses go out 
left and right. Long-standing San Franciscan businesses are going down, not to mention everywhere else in the East Bay where I live. And there's no relief coming. Every time one of these shelter-in-place orders go into effect, it's driving down business more than it was. A lot of businesses were breaking even when shelter-in-place wasn't in effect, and now that it is in effect, they are pretty much in the negative slash have to close down. There's no relief coming out for these people who are trying to make ends meet for Christmas or who have been struggling to keep their businesses open for the past nine, ten months. And uh, they're just getting absolutely shafted with pretty much nothing coming to save them. And I'm afraid. Yeah, that's that's the really big part right now. That's the really big part right now is that, like, I understand that, like, the full shelter in place is not necessarily here. But, like, the method that should be done if we're not going to lock everything down is that, like, things that aren't that essential get closed down and paid for for a short time until the numbers get like stable again which we have just for the whole year been completely incapable of doing the federal government has not been capable of doing anything besides like the extra unemployment temporarily and the like one-time check they sent out but it makes it hard for us to it makes it hard for people to stay in or you know not be going to work all the time if they get no money from it yeah I even know from before shelter in place went down, my local card shop wanted to not not the employees wanted to, but the super high up corporate management wanted to make them resume in store play. And I I can't think of a board game or card game that is safe to play with other people in a store right now. Yeah, you're close. Uh, yeah, this even at twenty percent capacity, but there is pressure. Uh, you know, maybe not by the manager of the store, but by corporate in general for for them to start bringing in the bucks because everyone's just businesses are just draining money right now and we're afraid come back 2021 that everywhere i love to go my favorite restaurants and all that are closed out i actually found out um by hilariously enough elon musk's tesla factory is this restaurant i wanted to go to and i was thinking no i'm willing to go out of my way today i'm gonna go behind elon musk's tesla factory i'm gonna go visit this small restaurant for some food today they're closed permanently, uh, it seems. Uh, or I guess until further notice, but I, I really doubt that they're going to reopen now. Um, and that's just this is one restaurant that I know of that I really wanted to go to that is shutting down. I mean, back in March, right? It was kind of like a lot of people have the Rona, but who, who do I know who has the Rona? I know someone who knows someone who has the Rona. Or, you know, come like the summer, I know viewers who have the Rona, right? Now it right. is... Nikki's uncle has the Rona. It's one degree of separation, Nikki's viewer, but now it's like one degree of separation by blood. Nikki's Person, uncle has the Rona right. and is in the hospital right now. Now, he's probably going to be all right. He's he's not like 80. I mean, he is up there. I think he's, he's somewhere in his early 50s, late 40s, um, and I hope he's going to be all right, but it is it is getting literally closer to home every day. Um, and I'm not, I don't think my parents have it and will pass it to me, but how many bullets can we keep dodging back in, I think it was March. Uh, I was at, uh, the VR arcade with one of my coworkers and we got a report that someone had come into the VR arcade who had the Rona. Now we realized that was a false alarm. And then Kuehler and I went out to this private arcade, open air. We talked about it in another episode and a day later <laughs> I call Kuehler up and say, hey, my mom might have the Rona. She got a Rona test before her uh, cancer treatment, uh, before her cancer surgery, 
and she might have the Rona, which means I might have the Rona, which means you might have the Rona. That turned yeah, out to be false. That was a. I went immediately to a test, and um, me too. Before I even went there, though, you told me it was it was false, and then yes, I I scheduled a test, yeah. went to go get the test, even though I knew it was false, just to have it anyway. It was false, but now I'm having this third Rona scare, and it's how many bullets can I dodge? How how I don't have plot armor. Maybe I don't know, but how how many times can I, Nikki? Someone near you has the Rona before I actually do get it. Look, I I, I don't want erectile dysfunction. I don't even want to be throwing up and shitting my pants for a week. I'm not dying. I'm not too concerned about. I don't want to die, but I don't think I will die. Literally being sick for a week is something that I would like to avoid anyway. And the permanent respiratory issues that come with it, I am also concerned about. And so, yeah, I mean, ultimately. I feel like throughout human history, my ancestors didn't die. And the reason I'm around today is because they did what they could to avoid dying. And so I'm just continuing that tradition in 2020 and 2021. There's another Twitter thread uh, that I wanted to read that explained it, to me. It is it is interesting to think like how many people don't seem to have that mindset too. <laughs> yes. Just fuck it. If I like, die, my I die. ancestors got, got here. So like, I, uh, you know, who really cares? I didn't know. Like, I have seen the comment before. It was like, um, so someone was mentioning, like, you know, because like older people are kind of notorious for kind of shirking the responsibility sometimes, and and they're saying like, well, you know, maybe we're like we've been around longer and we don't really care. We've learned to not be so afraid of life or something. And then I saw a reply that was like, I once had a dog that wasn't afraid of traffic. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Past tense. He wasn't afraid of traffic. He's still not afraid of traffic. He doesn't have to be anymore. <laughs> Uh, speaking of that, actually, my my parents had to persuade my grandma to not go out to a big like forty person old people dance, like post Thanksgiving. It's like grandma, you are like, <laughs> the, you know, if you go down, I have no one to. <laughs> there's no one I'm protecting anymore. <laughs> like I'm immune, so fuck it, right? <laughs> you know, it, it, I'm not too far removed as someone who you know is not originally from. I mean, I was born in America, obviously, but. My grandma, both my grandmas were from the Philippines. My my grandma told me a story of how she literally was hiding from the Japanese in World War II uh, when they were on Philippine soil. So That is something I know that like my family being from Latin America doesn't have that much connection to. Like my grandmother was alive and she has vivid recollections of like, oh, I remember like seeing the news about Pearl Harbor and hearing about Hitler, but like that was a world separated because none of that ever really came to to that country. Oh yeah, it's yeah, interesting. It's yeah, it's like it's like I you know it's like it's a common thing in the Western countries of like, oh, my grandfather fought in the war, or my grandmother hid in the during the war, but not necessarily. I just kind of don't have that connection. <laughs> but they do remember. They do remember. They were there and they remembered. Yeah, and so I just you know I feel like what sixty years from now we're alive. Whenever, whenever I'm about to check out. This would be the worst way to go. There's a super grim picture circulating Twitter with all of these iPads set up. Were they iPads? Yes. I forget. Some kind of tablet. They're, they're iPads. They're iPads. Or, yeah, they're, I think they're iPads, though. Yeah, set up for uh, end-of-life goodbyes because yeah. ICUs just fell and people can't visit to say goodbye to their loved ones. And that is... I mean, the microphones on those things are absolute garbage. And I don't know if you've ever usually, like the talked first to thing someone you think of, of course, on a webcam. But you always on an iPad webcam, like when you, whenever you're looking at a tablet, you get that like double chin from low to high angle. You're looking straight up their nostrils. It's not a yeah. good look, and that's no. not how I want to be viewed when I go out. 
I and I've had a grandparent leave, and you know, it's it's a we had the whole family around, and like you know, saying your final kind of goodbye close up and stuff. You don't get it's not the same. I couldn't do that with a camera. Yeah. Yeah. God forbid the internet connection goes out, the Wi-Fi goes down, Comcast cuts the internet in the hospital, <laughs> dropped frames. That'd be absolutely terrible. You hit your data cap. I shit. See, I shit on tying everything. It ba- tying it back from last week. Yeah. Everything I shit on last, last week. Episode. I think we just checked all the boxes. We got them this week also. Two weeks ago. Jeez. We got them. <laughs> terrible situation. Anyway, I do like this Twitter thread from Tegan Wall on Twitter uh, at Teague Wall. Uh, so explain like I'm fives are very often just. They're actually explained like I have a basic understanding. Like if you were to explain like I'm five, how the planets rotate, I would say something like the sun has gravity and everything likes to swing around the sun. That's how I literally explain it to a five-year-old, right? But sometimes I read these explain like you're five. Yes. So after the big bang, uh, these thermodynamic nuclear reactions happen and the planets started swinging and look at this physics equation. It's like, no, dude, I'm, I'm, Explain like I'm five, bro. I'm fucking stupid. So this Twitter thread actually explained like Going I'm five. Going to a five-year-old. So here's GMM over R squared. Calculate yeah. the rotational gravitational effect. I don't know any of this stuff. But this Tegan Wall on Twitter, uh, Dr. Dr. Wall, I should say, put some respect on the name, actually explained it well. So when you get the Rona vaccine, I didn't fully understand how it worked, first of all. But when you get it, um, you... It, it has a percentage effectiveness, obviously. It's not going to work for everyone, but they're aiming for 90%, somewhere around there. And after you get the Rona vaccine, even if you don't have symptoms, you can still pass the Rona on to people. It's kind of like wearing gloves. If you wear gloves and you take your gloves off, your hands are clean, but you can still get dirt on the gloves and therefore you can still get dirt on other people. And the Rona and the Rona vaccine are going to be similar. You can still get the Rona but it's not a free pass to go around and start coughing on grandma because you can still pass it on to her. That's the question yeah, I wanted at, a, answered, and she answered it beautifully. I, I had no idea. Yeah, just, it just I'm, I'm stupid. I don't know if I get the Rona vaccine, and the second the Rona touches me, it's just dead. But apparently it's not how it works. There's a, like a viral video going around, too, that's explaining how exactly the vaccine functions mm-hmm. also. Which it's pretty well done. It has some like big words in it, but like it has diagrams. It's a video, right? So it kind of helps you a little bit. Um, and, and you know, it's explaining how like the point of that is it like will train your body to be able to fight it when it arrives. But it, I guess in that sense, you could imagine how it could still your body could still carry it, even if it will fight it if it tries to, you know, get inside of you. But you could still hold on to it like a glove, right? Yeah, like it could still get someone dirty, and so yeah, it's very clear. I think it's been. I've seen a lot of comments already that when the vaccine starts getting rolling out, it doesn't mean that things will should just immediately start opening up. It means that at least there will probably be like some like vaccine only whatnots. But for the most part, we should try to keep masks, stay distant, and everything until everyone has it. Yeah, we need Which, to not immediately. Whenever start. that happens, because a lot of people are going to decide not to get it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's that problem also. And everyone who does get it needs to not be, you know, starting to lick each other's faces and have ginormous gatherings yeah. and and it's like a, it's like a two month process, I think, or something. I think it, getting it, yeah, you, you need to like take shots. the first vaccine three weeks later or something, and then get the next vaccine and then wait like three weeks or two weeks after that until and then the immunity kicks in. 
I just um I like to think of twenty twenty one, Nikki. Do not trust my numbers, but look up something similar. You'll find similar information. I like to think twenty twenty one, Nikki, will uh still be taking things cautious, staying at home when he can. But I, I can also see twenty twenty one Nikki having absolutely lost his fucking mind and just going out and uh you know, having my pod of people who are vaccinated, we all show our certificate. Our like I voted badge, you know how everyone's showing that off on Twitter. We're all gonna be going around right. showing our Rona certificate and like hanging out with people who have been uh well, vaccinated. I have actually seen someone comment that like I think regarding like, you know, anti vaxxers and whatnot, it will probably be uh commerce and, you know, economics that actually makes people take the vaccine more so than government. Because little by little, as stores are going to be like, or like events and whatnot are going to be like vaccine only, vaccine only, proof of vaccination. And then, obviously, it's going to like, at some point, you got to like wonder, it's like, is the, is my refusal to take the vaccine worth uh, like shutting myself off of a ton of, you know, the reopening of life? And that might convince people, maybe. Or that might remind people, you know. Yeah, I never considered that. Yeah, that's like... Because I can imagine, like, you know, big events and stuff. If if they can filter it, we'll probably say, like, you can only come in if you have... If you have been vaccinated. Like, personal events, you know, I mean, no one gives a shit even now, right? But, like, airplanes, maybe, or whatnot. Usually, like, immigration already requires you to have it vaccinated. So maybe that might be still true for later. I hope we do get a uh, certificate. Because I would like to, on my wall, put my... It's not up there right now. My college degree... And then right next to it, put my <laughs> vaccination certificate. <laughs> Honestly, f- university took me five years, and I think it was still easier than getting through this one year. Yeah, right. I mean, I, like, I have a broadcasting. I'm more. I feel. Hard. I feel more accomplished about managing to make it through and get that certificate than I was getting my diploma. I, I went through a stupid people degree. If you if you have no skills and no intelligence degree, whatsoever, at least you know. At least it did not like drive me completely insane, somewhat insane, but not completely. All right, it ruined my sleep schedule, kind of for good. Well, I think that is enough virology talk for this video game podcast. <laughs> Get vaccinated, I guess. We t- we complain- whenever it happens, I guess if you're like one of the three people in England who has the ability to get it, I guess go get it. We talk about, uh, first I complained about video games, then we talk about virology, and now we're going to cover uh, people wanting to kill me. Actual people, not viruses. So, actually, first off, YouTube released a feature to address toxic comments. So, I don't exactly know how YouTube figures out what a toxic comment is or what is. Uh, it's probably some algorithm that figures out some keywords. But if I were going on a, a, I don't know, like a stealth shampoo video, and I were to type, fuck you, Nikki, you insert derogatory term here and i want to get removed from twitch or from spotify again but (laughs) you type out something and you hit send there's a little pop-up that comes up and says hey you're an asshole (laughs) or something like that i forget exactly what it says uh you may want to rethink your comment and then that gives you an edit button highlighted in blue kind of draws your eyes to it or a send comment button and so you can click on one of those two things. It's just kind of a pop-up reminder. Now, it's really interesting. The consideration that needs to go into how YouTube addresses toxic comments, right? Because on one hand, obviously, people are getting shelled. Some creators more than others. LGBT, um, women, uh, marginalized peoples 
all getting all kinds of flack on YouTube, Twitter, all that kind of stuff, right? More so than me. More so than, I mean, I've gotten a shit ton of flack on Twitter, on YouTube, Twitter, Twitch throughout my life. Literal death threats that I'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but I definitely know creators who are bigger than me, but also, you know, some creators who are smaller than I was at my peak on Twitch, receiving more harassment for simply being a woman or simply showing a little bit too much titty or um, what have you. And so the challenge is, first off, identifying what is a toxic comment and then trying to deter those comments without reducing engagement. Because a YouTube comment, a Twitter reply, a retweet, these are all important metrics for creators uh, to, well, quite frankly, hoard. You want to hoard them views. You want to get more comments, right? And so if you try too hard to deter people from leaving negative comments, right? Maybe it was a maybe it was a neutral comment like, oh, Nikki, I didn't like your hair that episode. And YouTube catches that as a negative comment. You end up not posting it, right? If you deter too many people from leaving comments and that can hurt their searchability and hurt their engagement. But also... It is a massive problem on the internet. I mean, that's not something I have to explain. This is from TechCrunch. Uh, the idea to put up roadblocks and give users time to pause and reconsider words and actions is something several social media platforms are doing. For example, uh, for instance, Instagram last year launched a feature that would flag offensive comments before they were posted. It later expanded that to include offensive captions. Without providing data, the company claimed that these nudges were helping to reduce online bullying. Meanwhile, Twitter this year began to push users to read the article LinkedIn tweets they were about to share before tweeting their reaction. Now, I actually haven't gotten that pop-up ever happen because I click on everything, but that's interesting. And it stopped users from being able to retweet with just one click. YouTube claims it has increased the number of daily hate speech comment rules by 46% since 2019. Um, some would argue the platforms have responsibility to do even more, but it is a difficult balance. Twitch is doing some similar things also. I can think of the auto mod tool. Um, you can slide it from zero, which is off, to all the way up to, I don't know, three or four, which is max, which means filter anything that has so much as a fuck inside of the uh, inside of the message. And for what it's worth, Twitch has been doing, uh, I think, over the years, a better job um, of keeping toxicity out of your chat. Um one instance of people doing that on YouTube is uh, YouTube has a filter system. And I think Twitch now has this also where if it holds a comment for review, you can read it later. But that doesn't necessarily protect the creator from that negative comment. They still have to read it and approve or deny it. And if they were going to deny it, then they just read the shitty comment anyway. So that kind of doesn't really do anything. And Twitch has implemented a similar feature where you can hold comments and moderators can read it and then either uh, pass it through or um, not let it go through at all. And so they've been making some good steps. Um, shadow banning people also in Twitch has been absolutely hilarious. So you can ban people, but they can still type and they'll get ignored, um, which I think is an incredible feature. And I, I'm, I'm very pro that on Twitch. But I wanted to talk about uh, a little bit of the harassment that I personally have gotten throughout the years on Twitch. Now, I actually wanted to go back and find death threats, and that's literally plural, death threats that I've gotten on Twitch. Um, but Twitch has since moved to a whisper system. And a while ago, they deleted their private message system. But I think at one point, there was someone who had claimed that they wanted to kill me at TwitchCon. Now, it is no secret that I go to TwitchCon, I've 
tweeted out and all that stuff. And I've taken precautions as the years have gone on. At one point, one of my friends um, who I didn't know at the time, but she sat down next to me, offered me some cookies, and I was really hungry, so I ate those cookies. And they weren't drugged and there weren't needles or anything in them. But a little bit later on, it came out that um, a fan had brought a creator, I guess maybe they weren't, maybe they were a hater, some cookies, and they took a bite into those cookies. There were fucking needles in them. And so to to this day, I do not accept food from strangers uh, at convention, even if you're super nice. At TwitchCon San Jose, this guy gave me a tin of dicks, dick mints. And while he was super genuine and it looked like an unfucked with tin of dick mints, it was really mints shaped like dicks. I still gave them to Kuehler. <laughs> I don't remember if you ate them or yeah, not. Yeah, you gave them to me. No, I haven't, but I still have them somewhere. Maybe we should have them tested for like poisons or anything like that. Maybe he was trying to kill us. How? I don't know. I'm not a virologist. I, 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 might, I might as well. I might as well just be a human test. I mean, clearly the world is trying to kill us right now. What can be worse? Yeah, at worst you just ate a dick mint, which is honestly yeah. isn't that bad. That's not, that's not a bad thing. No. Anyway, you get a high reward. So I am super distrusting of anyone offering me food at events unless I literally know you. I'm not going to be accepting food and just as my own little precaution. But let's let's stop for a moment. And so I did not bring this to law enforcement. I did not bring this up to Twitch themselves, TwitchCon staff, um, that someone wanted to kill me at TwitchCon. Let's stop for a moment and think of the logistics of killing Nikki at TwitchCon. First off, I feel like I could beat the shit out of 80% of the population. If we take, if that's taking into account babies and old women and most females, <laughs> right? So let's narrow it down. What percentage, cooler? Of the TwitchCon attendee pool, do you think that I could beat in a fight? I think it's pretty high. Oh, it depends. I think it's reasonably high. I think it also kind of depends on what kind of fight it is. I feel like some people are, even if they're not physically fit, they are just physically large. I don't mean like mm-hmm. like big fat. I mean just like they're just large people um, that could probably have like a leg up over you. Um but I Absolutely. do think it's most. I do think it's a large number. There's also younger kids there, so like you know, yeah, probably get to take them on. Everyone at the Fortnite tent, you know, it's mostly younger people. Like you could, you could easily. Oh my god! Those I think on. I could beat ninety nine percent of the people in the Fortnite tent up. Yeah, <laughs> right. Easily, which would be like Fortnite, ironically. <laughs> Hilariously. Although it, you know, uh, if it is going to be like a battle royale where you have to just like take on everyone, I feel like eventually you'd run into one of the people that are legitimately ripped. Um, yeah. So you're some like if you ran to the dock, even if it's not in a video game, just in real life, I feel like his size could just crush you. He would beat the shit out of me. The do- I've stood next to the dock. He is like a full f- yeah. I'm fucking six feet tall. He's got a foot on me. <laughs> like the dude's huge. <laughs> um. So I think if you were just take TwitchCon attendees, their metal detector side. I don't expect you'd be able to get a gun in there. I mean, if you really wanted to, I'm sure you could. Maybe get a gun and a knife in. But I think I could reasonably beat the shit out of most people at TwitchCon. At the very least, be able to outrun them, right? I don't have to, like, fucking stand my ground. I'm not trapped in a boxing ring or anything like that. Like, I could dip out. The percentage of the time I am at TwitchCon with other people is really high. So even if I couldn't take you on a one-on-one, I'm usually with a group of people who are going to come and be on my side 99% of the time, unless you're trying to assassinate me in my sleep. And even then I'm either at home. So you have to get past my dogs or I am sharing a hotel room with someone 
who would probably, I mean, I don't know, Kilo, you probably back me up if someone's trying to fucking cut my throat in the middle of the night. Or yeah, you, probably. You'd at least be like, hey, what are you doing? If, so I could wake yeah. up and like get in a defensive mode. You at the very as long as you shout like Nikki, watch out! He's trying to cut your throat. You know, getting a again a fighting stance. We're good to go. I'm no, I'm no bastion. I mean, of health. hotel room hotel rooms aren't big. If someone's trying to cut your throat, like I, I, it's probably in my best interest to try to fight him off too. Yeah, they're probably going for you also. Like they got to yeah. leave witnesses. Or like if I try to leave, it's you know it's not hard to walk across a hotel room and then now you're facing me. It's like yeah probably in my best interest to try to fight our way out of that situation so i'm probably going to be around a lot of people they have metal detectors so you're probably not taking knives or guns i am not killable via food um and i'm very careful with my drink so even if you tried to like drop a drop any kind of date rape drug into my drink i'll probably be okay there i'm very cautious with my own drinks usually around other people so you're probably not going to get me in a fair 1v1 uh i i just don't fully understand the logistics behind trying to assassinate me at TwitchCon. Now, also, if you hate me, I think it's very unlikely that you hate me and me alone, right? You probably hate some other content creators. Right? I'm Nikki from Stellship. I'm a fucking nobody. At the at the peak, I had, what, 13,000 followers almost? Right? You probably hate C-Nanners or a Soda Poppin' or a- any other big creator, right? So let's say you wanted to go to TwitchCon and assassinate multiple big creators. How many do you think you could reasonably get at once before you got caught? Right? You are very unlikely to find me and your other favorite like 2 million subscriber YouTuber in the same room at the same time to pop us both, right? So you got to be selective. If you're going to take someone out, then that means you'd have to prioritize me or just not hate anyone else. So this just is absolutely making no sense at all why you would want to take me out personally. Um, but I really didn't th- take any of those threats seriously. And um, spoiler alert, at no particular TwitchCon have I been assassinated. Um, I did have to call the authorities once on uh, on someone. This is separate from the story where uh, I called the authorities on a, a friend to stop him from, well, going missing. But um, I did have to call the cops once. And hilariously, the cops are... Very, very well equipped to deal with riots and a war on American soil, but they are very, very poorly equipped to deal with someone threatening you um, over the internet whose you know name you don't have, and um, you you'd think they would have the detective power to track them down, but the the police are very, very ill-equipped to deal with any of that stuff, and so I've received my own. Uh, fair share of heat over the internet. Now, I've never actually had someone in real life come up to me and just be like, fuck you, Nikki. Like, I hate you. The one time that happened, it was very early in my streaming career. I was at, it was E3, I want to say like 2013 or something, 2014, 15, extremely early on. And someone came up to me and said, hey, I still remember his name. I'm Archer Man, and I'm banned in your Twitch chat. And he was like super friendly about it. We had a laugh about it. And I unbanned him. <laughs> it's like, you know, sorry about that. Like, what did you do? And he's like, I don't know, man. I told you to go fuck yourself or something like that. I forgot what he said. <laughs> it's like, you know, I respect that. I'm going to unban you. <laughs> the openness to say that I think is very <laughs> impressive. I admired that so much. I, I just was like, you know, man, it's, it's no problem. No big deal. It's a power. I mean, it's a power move to open with that. 
that was absolutely hilarious. And so I, I feel like I, um, in particular, and I think people who know me and listen to the Earl Access podcast, uh, know that I, I try to be as genuine as possible. I try not to sugarcoat. I mean, just listen to how much I rant about Medal of Honor. I haven't even played in two years, right? I try to be really genuine, right? But my online Twitch persona is, I think, a, an extension. Think of, think of who I really am, just, you know, three Red Bulls in. And I play things up. So I, I kind of like to describe it as a, a car salesman, right? If you're trying to sell a car, and from the time I was a professional Twitch streamer, I was trying to sell my Twitch stream. My, my Twitch stream is my car, right? You're trying to sell your car. You don't go out and say, this car is all right. I mean, it's 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 kind of fast and, you know, it's comfortable and it has two-wheel drive, I guess. I mean, you know, it's an all right car. That's not how I operate, right? When I'm trying to sell my Twitch channel, I'm playing it up, right? This car can fucking fly and shoot lasers and will get you laid immediately. I'm absolutely playing everything up. And I'm not actually super, super full of myself trying to go around and be like, I'm big dick swinging, super good at everything. I'm incredible. Like, wow. I think in reality, I'm a pretty genuine and straightforward dude. But man, if there is one thing that I have, I feel like that I, my brand uh, that offends people, and there's a ton of things that offend people on the internet titties being one thing that people tend to get very angry about on stream or Twitter. But people reason. people don't like it um, when you think well of yourself. I think that's where a lot of hate comments come from, right? It's to tear the creator down, whether it be jealousy because they have a bunch of followers or, yo, I got to knock this guy down a peg or look at all these people who love this guy. Fuck this guy. Or, he said something I don't agree with. Oh, on his Pokemon deck tier list, Nikki said this deck was bad, and I really like this deck. Fuck this guy. Some kind of disagreement, right? They, at the end of the day, I feel like a lot of internet hate comes from wanting to knock people down a peg. What, from whatever it be. I, mean, I don't like Nikki's car salesmanness. I don't like how that girl shows too much leg. Any of that kind of stuff. So I very early often, um, very early on, adopted the C. Nanner's principle of... Um, reacting to comments and reacting to negativity it's you just don't that's something he talked about a very very long time ago and it really influenced me when i started um hopping onto twitch and he was uh, obviously very popular on youtube was you just don't reply to the negativity and that is incredibly hard to do i realize it people very often want to come back with some kind of snarky comment that can then be perceived as you know oh you're you're you know you're this big guy with a bunch of followers and now you're hating on this guy even though that guy started and all that stuff right coming back with you want to come back with a snarky comment you want to prove why this person is wrong or hey that's not factual i have um for a very long time and this is probably why some death threats came through adopted the i will not react to something shitty that you say to me i it it's no fucking skin off my bones if you dislike me. I truly don't care. And so if I don't care, then why would I say anything back? You could say, oh, Nikki fucking murdered his first wife and he punches children. And one time I saw him eat a puppy alive. I'm not going to go out and try to dispute any of that. I, I don't need to. I don't want to defend myself. You're some rando keyboard warrior. I don't feel the need to do so. Now, this comes with its own downsides. Like I said, people will then escalate and escalate and try to leave shittier and shittier comments to try to get a reaction. And I do realize that this isn't something everyone can do. 
I think I don't even think it's something most people can do. I, I feel like it's very easy to give in to the temptation of saying something snarky back or telling someone why they're wrong or how they misconstrued what you said. But at the end of the day, I don't give a fuck. I, I just don't care that you're... I mean, first off, think of the... Take a moment, right? You threatened to kill me at TwitchCon. Think about the logistics of how that would even work. Now, I'm sure it's possible. I'm sure it's very well possible. I could be crossing the street and you could drive a fucking truck through and, and nail me. Like, I'm, I'm not saying I'm literally this unkillable, like, feat of athletic, like... You know, I'm not super strong. I took martial arts training for 10 years, but I'm not, like, some kung fu master. I barely remember any of it, right? But I feel like if you just stop and think for a little bit about why people are leaving comments like this, no matter what you do, no matter how beloved or controversial you are, they it, it ultimately doesn't matter what they think. Someone put it into a quote that I really liked, um, that embodies what I was feeling, but put it into words better than, than I could have. And it went something along the lines of, uh, don't take criticism from someone you wouldn't go to advice for. And someone asked me on the stream the other day. I've heard that. I've heard that. It's, I really like it. Yeah. Someone on the stream the other day said, like, what's the most hurtful thing someone could say to you? And so first off, don't tell people what the most hurtful thing to say is because they will then say it. But second off, I feel like there's not really a hurtful thing you could say to me, whether it be race-based or, uh, you know, oh, Nikki, you're, you fucking suck at this game or goddamn you ugly motherfucker. There's one guy once in a Call of Duty lobby who said to me, and I was probably like 19, 20 at the time, you sound like a little girl. And there has been that comment like reverse. How the hell? It reverse offended me. I have known me. you for years before that, and that was... Wow. It, it reverse offended me. That is probably the most effective comment I've ever gotten, because I still remember it to this day. It's the only one I remember. Because if you were to say something, like, super racist, like, fuck you, N-word, go choke on a dick, you need to... Like, just a super long string of hate speech, right? That's just a typical Call of Duty lobby, man. I've been playing since COD 5. But that that particular one reverse offended me. It is so categorically false that it, it is stuck with me to this day. <laughs> so I guess, I guess if I had to pick one comment, that would be it. But the most um, the most awful thing I feel like you could say to me personally, and I feel, I feel like fellow creators should adopt this philosophy, isn't a particular phrase or anything like that. It It's who it comes from. I feel like I the, the things my friends say hold a lot more weight whether they, they're giving advice or Nikki, you should change this, giving some kind of criticism or saying you did this shitty thing. I will take that a lot deeper into account than I would some rando saying some shitty thing. I think that's what would really hurt my feelings, right? If Kitty, who I have known for literally like nearly half my life, I don't know, at this point, not, not that much, but for a very long time, if she said, Nikki, like you're an asshole for having done this thing, or uh, that, hey, X was really shitty of you. Or if Kuehler said something like that. I would much, much deeper take that into consideration because they have the whole context of my life than I would anyone else on the internet. So I think if you really want to tear someone down, get really close to them. Maybe become a moderator in their chat. Maybe like go around and be their friend and hang out. Hang out with them. Be more than a viewer. Right? Get real close to them for multiple years. Make this a decade decade long long con and then say something like get get 
get real deep into them, learn their fears, be their therapist for a couple of nights, stay up late on Discord talking about their loves, their hates, right? And get real deep into the nitty gritty of their psyche and learn their greatest fears, right? Then 10 years later, drop a long bombshell, paragraph upon paragraph, because you'll know they read it. You send them a message every day of your life. You're talking every single night. You drop that bomb and have them sit with that. Give, leave them with some shit that they'll have to go to therapy for. And if they're not already seeing a therapist, they'll have to pick one up. And I think that, ultimately, if you want to hurt someone on the internet, if you want to hurt me in particular, I think that's how you would go about doing it. You really, you really want to get in there deep. And so it's not so much as what is said. It's just who it comes from, uh, I feel. And so good on YouTube and Twitch and all these websites for trying to uh, make things a little bit more pleasant. Uh, it's just unfortunate. It's an unfortunate piece of uh, the job that you have to endure if you're a creator, that you do have to take some heat. I mean, someone has to read that comment that YouTube held and was like, hey, should we post this? And you have read it anyway, right? It comes with the territory. But I feel like it doesn't have to. And these companies are doing uh, doing what they can, I feel, to, to keep things a little bit more uh, sane for the creator. But at the end of the day, yeah, people are going to be getting a, a lot of harassment. I, I do feel a lot of especially female creators and creators who might be might not be heterosexual dudes like me um, especially get a lot of heat. I've personally seen the inboxes of uh, multiple female creators who are friends of mine and uh, a lot of dicks in there both well yeah actual actual dicks and people who are dicks uh, I've seen in there so yeah that's uh, that's what I got. This week on being a creator and harassment. All right. Well, if there's anything we learned from this early access podcast, don't get the Rona. Uh, don't play Medal of Honor VR. And don't leave shitty comments on the internet. I think those are the three takeaways. And also wear your mask. Good advice. I'll take it. Yeah, do that too. All right. I'm going to go play a Cold War. Speaking of which, thanks for listening to the early access podcast. We are here every other Tuesday at 8 p.m. PST, uh, the next episode will be on the 22nd, and then we'll probably, actually, yeah, there's not an episode that falls on Christmas or New Year's this year. I think we had one last year. So we will be back on the 22nd every other Tuesday here on twitch.tv slash If you want updates on the podcast, subscribe, give us a last rating on one Spotify. Of coming up. Oh, yeah, we got one more episode. That's episode 49 will be the last one of 2020. Uh, check us Start out on Spotify. Second half of Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Discord.gg slash for updates. Leave us a uh, rating and subscribe to the feed. And this video is Nathan Stelshampoo. We'll see you some other time.